The A Steve Podcast is brought to you by Nicola. Taste the love. Good evening, Night City. Hi. <laughs> it's another one of those openings. So, um, Steve will hopefully be joining us a little late. He hasn't gotten back to me. Um, he normally is having to do daddy stuff at this point of time. So can't always know when he's going to join but yes right now uh it is me and my buddy zach uh who yo is one of the only po- people i know that played cyberpunk other than steve uh and now that i think I about did. it yeah i don't know a lot of people that did actually play the game huh it took me a I'll while maharu chan in the chat yes we do have a maharu chan in the chat out. um but the uh the so i guess if, if I'm going to start talking about cyberpunk, the first thing I need to talk about, see, every, like, do we need to talk about the fact that this game was hyped for years, definitely like announced too early and is like needed to leave more on the cutting room floor than it did? Like how much do we really want to talk about its history versus what it is now? Because we are two years late to the part. Well, uh, a year and a half late to the party. For the podcast, yeah, at least. Yeah, so I and have something I can say about it. So it came out December 2020, right? Yep. We are about a little over a year and a half ago. I had friends who played it, but the friends I had who played it were on console, and they swore to me that, for the most part, it, perfor- it performed relatively well, mainly because, you know, that's one advantage that console has over PC. You rarely have to adjust graphic settings uh, or anti-aliasing uh, or anything like that because the console usually has the built-in hardware for said graphics and which, rendering. Which version of console were they playing on? Uh, I heard PS4. Because there's a reason Sony pulled it off of the PlayStation 4 store and there's a reason Cyberpunk only allowed review copies on PC. This was not up to snuff on console. So then again, nope. it was it wasn't consistent, right? Like your friends, anyway. your friends, and then a buddy of mine both didn't have it that bad on console. I don't remember what uh, what Steve's experience was, but I know like I had a friend that was like, "Oh, so long as you shut the game down instead of leaving it asleep for like so long, like just shut it down every few hours, and then like it, it resets the RAM or whatever, and you know." It works better, and it's like okay, that's still bad because that right. indi- indicates memory leak issues and other like really bad handling of that stuff. So, um, but yes, as you were saying, like you had friends that experienced it very well, and then you you didn't get it at launch, did you? Because you did play it on PC. No, so it actually worked out well because I personally wasn't planning it to get it on launch anyway, just because of expenses and whatnot. But after I saw the abysmal reviews from everybody, except my friends on console who claimed it was good, I decided to hold off. And that hold off went from a month to a few months to six months. And I didn't end up, I didn't end up purchasing it until practically a year later, like almost December 2021. I don't exactly remember when I got it, but it was sometime autumn 2021. And it was in a playable state. 
and it was a good game. And obviously we'll dissect, you know, what I thought made it a good game. It's just a shame that we didn't get that version of the game when it launched, December 2020. And I guess I should say I didn't get I didn't play it. I didn't start playing it until what, June? Um maybe late May. I got it for Xbox Series X. It was after I started playing it after the next gen update. Um, so maybe not until June. And I it 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 works better than you would see, but I still ran into a bunch of bugs and glitches that right. it's funny it would have been received negatively still if this was the launch state. But like now that's the thing. Like you just said this game is playable. And I'm thinking about characters whose faces were face planted in the ground for an entire discussion conversation scene with them. And it was one of the most awkward things I could think of, uh, or, or I could like, like, it was just awkward. It was just generally awkward. Um, and then so there I was should, like I issues clarified by saying that playable as in male characters are no longer in T poses with their dicks out, pissing everywhere. Stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Like, that's the thing. Like, it, it, like I still ran into issues with like uh, not being able to switch into third person mode in the vehicle. Um, I wasn't able to change my rock state, uh, the the music station. Um, every once in a while, I had a truck for a side quest, just incessantly honking. Like the dude just laid on the horn and would not let go, and I I was confused at first. I'm like, what the heck is that sound? Why is it coming with me? Why is it? Oh, oh, it's actually the objective that we're driving and just, they're just laying on the horn. It's just, and they're like little, that's the thing. It's all little issues that still build up and it's like, okay, yeah, the game's in a better state, but it's still not in a good state. Um, and right. the thing is though, even if like the bugs and everything because there's a lot like when the game came out a lot of people are like okay this game's you know with with fewer bugs with fewer this it's a really good game or it's still a good game and is it i mean i know i'm going to be the one and that's the thing we were we're we're hoping steve will still be able to join uh still haven't gotten a word from him um yeah because i think we're i think we're trying to like dance around not hitting the plot points yet until steve arrives oh the well that's the anyway. thing there's a lot of gameplay stuff i could discuss even before then because oh don't worry like, same here what's like as i said like what is a good open world right like do we even have a good open world game like we sang a lot of praises but then when we did our elden ring podcast we also said a lot of negatives about elden ring and i think part of it is it's still doing, and I wrote about this too in my my column. It's like it's still doing open worldy things. It's still for the sake of more content, copy pasting assets in order to generate more dungeons, more bosses, more just more, more, more. And right. cyberpunk is weird because the city is very large, and I like. When you're driving through the city, there's an element of feeling like you're in a city. When you're looking at, like, there's elements yes. of Night City that remind me of driving around Boston or Philadelphia or New York City. Like, older cities that have history, right? Mm -hmm. There's aspects that remind me of that. Um, and that is an achievement in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it's like, okay, but 
what is the benefit? Like, what is what what does this do for me when you're then filling a like not even it's not even about filling the map with icons. It's like okay, now I gotta go and I gotta find all of the the um the the sprays on the on on the what the graffiti. Go find the tarot right. the tarot themed graffiti. Go find the uh, psycho killers. There's like 20 of them throughout the city. Um, mm-hmm. Go complete. Uh, go buy these cars. Go buy like cars and apartments are listed as quests to buy. Like that's not a quest. That's right. a thing. Um, they try to present it as it's a quest, but come on, CDPR. It's not a quest. You're buying a no. freaking car. So it's and I can only guess it's because they didn't know where else to put that in the menu. But it's one of the, like, it's, what do we do to make a city feel like a good place to play games? Because that's, that's where I feel like part of our issue with open worlds, just games in general. Like, I've wondered a lot of times, like, who are certain things for? And by that, I don't mean, like, why does this product even exist? Nobody asked for this. Nobody wants this. Like, I don't mean it in that way. I mean, yeah. like, when I watch my when my parents watch TV, I get the feeling they're just killing time until the rest of their life is up. And I know that's a really cynical, screwed up way to put it. And I know that's definitely not how they view it. Like for my dad, it's more like he's wasting time until he gets to retire and go fishing and hunting all his, the remainder of his days. That's what he really wants to do. Um, but that's how my parents view it anyway. But that, that, but that's the thing. It's like, I wonder, like, why do people play certain games? Like, why do people game in certain ways? Like, why? And, and in some ways, like, Steve feels like a sort of counterbalance because he enjoys these things. And I'm not mm-hmm. always certain why. Like, why do you like the TV you do? Why do you? And I, like, I've, 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 it's a poor shame he does he's not here to defend himself. But it's like, I've wondered at times where it's like, is it because you're a dad and most of your daily entertainment has to be kid friendly and therefore the bar is lowered. So anything that seems remotely targeted towards people older than the age of 20 is now sudden, or maybe just remotely older than the age of 13. Like, does that yeah. like speak to you on a deeper level? Because I can't imagine, I guess the best way I could summarize it is I played this game for about 45 hours and part of me well, especially for my blog, like I'm going to try and get screenshots, which means I've now got to install it on my Xbox One. Who knows how performance is going to be on there? Oh boy, um, mm-hmm. yeah, because I want to record on that. Yeah, I want to record footage so I can use my own screenshots rather than hunting through the internet for the same ten screenshots used everywhere else that might tangentially have to do with what I'm talking about. Um, so this means I am going to be going in there for maybe five to ten more hours to play. Do I really want to get more endings? Do I really want to start a new origin? Like, that's where the hobby becomes work. I'm going to be play this playing this game as work, not because I want to play a game to relax. Which, I can't even say that, like, Elden Ring, going back to get more screenshots, I enjoyed that still. I enjoyed playing the game more, even when I was specifically doing activities that I knew were going to be a pain in the butt, because I just wanted the screenshots. That is, like, like, I can't say that about Cyberpunk. I don't know if I enjoyed this game. I was engaged by it. 
Engaged is not enjoyment, though. You can be engaged in a lot of ways. And normally I use the word engagement as a positive thing, since, you know, if you're playing a horror game, you're not having fun, but you are engaged. Right. I wasn't bored playing this game, but I wasn't enjoying it. So it's like, what, what, who, how can you enjoy this game? Like, I am a genuine, and I'm not saying that as like a insult. I'm just like, it's not like, how can you enjoy having your fingers cut off? I'm not asking that. Like, how <laughs> can you play this game and be, and like walk away and be like, man, that was a good time. I'm going to do more of that tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and, I have some thoughts on that. Uh, to answer that question right away, the way you enjoyed Cyberpunk was you waited a year after launch and play it because obviously <laughs> most of the bugs are going to be fixed. But regarding it as an open world game, giving it some thought now, because if you recall, for our Elden Ring podcast, one of the things that was said, I don't know if I said it or someone else did, but... We thought that one way there was a flaw with Elden Ring's open world design was it was restrictive. What I mean by that is, like, you can't go here yet until you beat the main boss and get the main key from this area before you can proceed to the next area. Unlike games like Breath of the Wild, <laughs> it was going to get mentioned, where you can just rush to Ganon's castle immediately like within the first 45 minutes of the game are you gonna actually, die probably i would actually but at least you have that. that option to go there i would actually counter that though because i've been finding you could technically just skip right to altus plateau like right from the beginning of the game if you know the routes it's going to be really difficult but you can like it gives you freedom up to a point but i get what you're saying because they make it hard so it's better to go to those gates to take it zone by zone by zone. And I think yeah. that, and that's the thing, like to add to what I think you're going is cause you can, after the opening prologue area, like you can go anywhere in night city. They yes. sort of try to restrict you to just the Watson area. They call it. Um, but in the end, like once that's open, like you can go anywhere in night city and outside of it even. Um, and it, if in I, a way, to... I was, I'll say this too, uh, not to interrupt you, no, they fine. try to be territorial, territorial in the sense that, yes, you can go to this certain area. It's just that enemies here are beefed up in level. So unless you match that level and have the equipment, skills, and weaponry to handle it, you're most likely going to get one, maybe two-shotted. And don't expect to do any sort of like chip damage to them with the, we with the under-leveled weapons you have. So it's like, yes, you can go here, but it's discouraged for you to go here. We recommend you beef up in the starting areas first and then come back later. Are you saying that about Elden Ring or Cyberpunk? I'm sorry, Cyberpunk. I think I ran into a little bit of that because uh, it was it told me about a um, whatever the uh, calls are where people are just shooting on the side. And I decided, OK, why not try one? And then like I was doing almost no damage and I got my head blown off real quick. So I was like, OK, yeah. whatever. Um, it's the Borderlands system. Like, the enemies are represented by a skull if they're a much higher level than you. It's just kind of like the yeah. game's way of saying, do not pursue. The Turn funny thing now. is, I barely ever encountered any of that anyway, because... The, see, and that's the thing. Like, I would, I would admit... Because this isn't going to be like an Elden Ring comparison. Like, oh, here's how Elden Ring does it better. Elden Ring, I think for the kind of game it is, the zone-by-zone-by-zone zone zone approach works really well. 
you want to focus if you're a player on doing just the, this one zone, then this zone, then this zone, then this. Like you can jump around throughout the game, and if you know what you're doing, you can do it. You can like really buff your character up real well that way. But it's fine being zone to zone to zone. Cyberpunk, I don't think would be because it would be like Infamous then, where Infamous locked you from zone to zone to zone, but it was like three separate islands and. That feels more that 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 doesn't give you the feeling that I think they're going for in Cyberpunk, which is Night City is a city. Night Night City they want to be to a Western open world kind of a game, like Kamadocho is to the Yakuza series. Mm-hmm. Kamadocho is very much an identity, a place. It is when and especially from game to game to game, you go there, you know Kamadocho. Night City doesn't doesn't feel like a place because the way i played i didn't really do any of those um i can't remember what they're called i would this again i wish steve was actually on here I, we might have a steveless night everyone i'm sorry um, have you heard from him yet no nope not a single response uh, normally normally his kids aren't this uh keeping him up this late um so but no like um you have like these random like shootouts or something, uh, assault in progress. That's what it is. You'll have like an assault in progress that'll you'll find and you can do. Like they just become icons on the map, right? The right. funny thing is for me, I had an easy time ignoring that because it actually immerses me more in the city if I don't stop and take part. <laughs> this is part of like where again like. If I'm going to talk about the cyberpunk world, it's you're making an interesting world, but the way you're trying to gamify it is what removes me from that world and inhibits my desire to explore it. If I'm driving down the road and suddenly I hear gunshots, that contextualizes Night City for me. That right. this is a city filled with crime and where it could break out at any time in any region. If it occurs in certain regions more often, then that makes sense but the game tries to split it up across the city evenly because that's how open world video games do it and also we're going to take the witcher's fast travel system even though it makes no sense and we could at least try and do it in a way that you could use the subway right like the fast travel system made no sense to me in this game and i didn't use it for the longest time it wasn't until like the last uh 15 maybe 20 hours that i started to really use the fast travel system because i unlocked enough points but fast travel in this game makes absolutely no sense because it's just a terminal yeah, you can only fast travel like pre-designated spots, right? And it's just like Witcher 3 where you could only fast travel from the signposts. Now, yeah. Witcher 3, okay, I understand how that's more immersive. Here, if, if you're going to limit how, how I fast travel, then at least give me a subway station to go to. Make it fit the setting better than a just random terminal. And... That's what I mean. Like some of this stuff is just okay. Let's take technology from The Witcher. I mean, the 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 vehicles are basically just the horse technology from. That's why I like the way you call them, right? Sometimes the pathing is broken when you call your vehicle. They try and gussy it up like it's oh, this is just a future cyberpunk tech, but it's you just summoned Roach.exe 
to come and mount and drive around the place. And maybe that's one of the reasons that the vehicles control as terribly as they do. Um, yeah, good old, good old, uh, Delamain. Yeah. Um, which by the way, I just like to point out one cool thing with, if you like follow his path of quests, um, there is a Easter egg and you might know where I'm going with this, where you have to, um, uncorrupt all the Delamain cores. And one of them yep. is Ellen McQueen who did uh, GLaDOS from Portal. Straight up, very, it, very cat, neat surprise. Well, it's not even just the voice actors; it is straight up Glados in writing and everything. But no, it is a nice little Easter egg. It comes surprisingly early in the game, so it was a bit strange to find that uh, so soon. But and people were like swearing up and down. Oh, that's not her. She didn't voice this game. But no, she actually confirmed on social media. Yeah, that's my voice. Well, I mean, I'm not really sure where they got that notion that it was just like you know. They took audio clips from Portal or something. No, she actually voiced in Cyberpunk. Yeah, I don't know. People are always going to be weird about that kind of stuff, but they sure. Are. The the, the I, I guess and that's I guess that's where for me it's like this was a game that wanted to be a lot of things, and I'm not sure I got anything out of it as a result because, like, there there's another example, um, and of course. You know, I shared the Never Knows Best video with you, so you got to hear him mention it. But it, like, I felt it when I was playing the game. Where, why was I suddenly getting contacted by all of these people to do to to do um, jobs for them? It made no sense, especially because yeah. I don't like. We're not going to get too much into the story, but it's like they're contacting you right after you flubbed a job, and they're like, "Hey, V, I heard about your skills." I want you to work for me and do some stuff for me. It's like, <laughs> firstly, I want to be in hiding right now. Yeah. And secondly... Did you not see me fuck up the last one? Exactly. It's like, the last one didn't turn out so well. Um, so please, don't... Don't... don't hey, contact hey kid, me no, like no this. one fails like you. I like that. Yeah. Um, but that's, that, that's part of it. It's like, if the game had a system that and again, like never knows best talk to it. And this is part of where for me, it's like, instead of trying to do so many of these activities and so many of these quests, why not like just focus a bit more on fewer side quests, but make the jobs meaningful. So you have like two or three jobs you do, um, that gets your street cred up to a certain point, And then you can start accepting jobs. So like each of these guys that gives you a job, it feels more like an actual thing. Like you are a merc, like you are actually helping people, uh, right. well during jobs for people rather give the player, uh, opportunities to barter maybe, or to do things that feel more merc ish. But instead it's just a, we need it. We need a system to just dump quests on them. You know what Skyrim does? Skyrim creates an algorithm for its quests. So we're just going to do something that's not an algorithm, but, emulates that just just give people quests just quest 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 and yeah if all you want to do in your game is just get in the game and spend your time playing it then i can understand that better but for me i wasn't really driven to do any of those jobs and i only did a few of them i think skyrim and cyberpunk in a way are both like 
Oprah Winfrey giving quests to everybody. Like, you get a quest, you get a quest, everybody gets a quest. Like, you just cannot avoid getting quests on your quest log menu. And what, one thing I wanted to note, too, uh, referencing Never Knows Best, is he made a couple of points that definitely resonated with me regarding the assault in progress. It was one of those things that made me chuckle because he made a good point. Like, he said, okay, so you pass by this one area, there's an assault in progress at the moment of you being in that general vicinity, so it's going to appear on your map. Fast forward, like, three days later, that assault in progress is still on your map. It's still in progress. So it's, it's a three-day gunfight going on, or whatever the hell. And it's like, uh, hmm. So it's really just been in progress for three days, huh? It's not really an in-the-moment thing anymore. So that's one thing I yep. just he really made a good point that I chuckled on. But, um... Ah, fuck, brain fart. What was the second thing he, made, he said that I thought was a good point? <laughs> God damn it! I don't remember. It'll did come it have, to me. Did it have to do with the 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 game's combat? Because I'm mixed on that. I mean, that's it was fun enough, but it never felt. I think what really disappointed me was the hacking, and maybe this is partially because I played the game wrong. But most of the hacking abilities didn't. Well, firstly, I had an idea of of playing a not a bruiser, a stealth focused character that did a lot of hacking. Mm-hmm. Very early on, every attempt to be stealthy basically came down to just being a bruiser until I decided, okay, this is the route I'm going now. This is just what I'm doing. Okay. Um, so that was so, actually going to lead me to my question. What was your build? Like, what did it entail? I think by the end, I had 13 body, 13 technical, 13 intelligence. And then I was starting to put a few more points in cool for some of the side quests, but. Okay. It was mostly, and that, and part of the reason body and technical and stuff were so high was because I really quickly found myself running into situations where it's like, okay, I really want to sneak in, but I need like a 10 technical in order to do so. Um, or, right. hey, I could force this door open with a high body. Uh, so it was like... There's two, for as much as they want to do role-playing and options, it's like you either have the going guns blazing, be sneaky until you have to force a door open, or I hope you really focused a lot of points in your technical ability. Um, Dude, you just fucking reminded me what I was going to say. Oh, there the we go. The second point that guy made uh, was whatever points you put into your abilities, how it reflected in the interactions in the game. Like, for example, if you had a high enough um, melee or whatever, you could force open doors. That I thought was cool. Or if you had a high enough, like, technical ability or technical know-how. It was either technical ability or intelligence. I forget which one. You could hack this, or you could hack that. You could, like, attempt to get money from this device. I thought that was cool. I kind of wish that you had the ability to influence dialogue options more with these abilities. I felt like cyberpunk was kind of lacking in that. It's like, sure, you could be beneficial in gameplay options, but the fact that your dialogue choices were kind of limited, kind of like if you're trying to charm someone, like and fall out with charisma or something, I kind of feel like that wasn't really as present as it could have been, which and was the, disappointing. But I did part, like the overall implementation, implementations of like technical ability, body, etc. 
That I thought was cool. And part of it is because of the way they tried to tie these different stats with both conversation and then combat. It's like, okay, I might want this stat for conversation, but I don't want its combat abilities. It's con- like other other options do better for combat. Um, and you do a lot of combat in this game. I'm not yes, sure. I'm not sure you really can do a full stealth build. Even when I had better stealth skills and better hacking, and that's part of what I was going to say. Like, I don't know how much you got to do. Like, maybe you really got to specialize into hacking in order to have really good hacking abilities, or you really got to know what Ripper docs or whatever to go to in order to get the right abilities. Because the only real hacking I made regular use of was short circuit. I use some other things like being able to shut down cameras and turrets and stuff like that. But otherwise, short circuit was my most commonly used hack. And that was very disappointing because my expectation for hacking was that I was going to be able to do a lot more with it. Um, yeah. And it, it didn't work out. Like, I know there's a boss about midway through that there's a bunch of cameras in the room that are off by default. I tried to turn a bunch of them on. It didn't do anything. I was hoping I could use them to try and whittle the boss down. And they just did absolutely nothing. It was a waste of time and it was a waste of RAM. So I was like, okay, let me just turn them off now so I could just hopefully not get shot myself because I don't know if they'll shoot me. Um, And that's the thing with quick hacking, I felt like, especially later game, like I want to say around level 30 or post level 30. Once you invested heavily enough in hacking, I think you could have gone with like a weaponless experience from there on because the hacks you got just became so powerful and you could invest skills that allowed it to spread to other nearby enemies with the exact same efficiency. You could. And I you started to have like some of that. Fire, poison, you could blind enemies, you could drive enemies insane, you could turn them against each so, other. So, see, this might be where I got, like, the bad hacks, because I was doing stuff like short-circuiting from a distance, and it would count as a stealth kill, because they never mm-hmm. found me. They just knew they were being attacked, and they didn't alert their buddies either, which was interesting, but... Um, yeah, if you isolate... I think that there's a guy isolated in a specific compound. If you just get that person without alerting anybody else, yes, that is technically a stealth kill. I'm going to move you over, by the way. So, because at this point, I don't think Steve's joining us. I think he forgot, or he's just unable. Yeah, that's fine. Scoop me on over. But the um, no, I. And Steve, that's the thing. You're, like, this this, is... you're, you're with us in spirit, dude. Yeah, but I think that's part of the thing. It's like I ended up playing most of the game as a shooter, and it's fine. But it's as fine as any other, because like sometimes some encounters will be really difficult. Then. Oh, wait, I just needed to find the right, you know, high level gear or what really made a difference for my playthrough was when I finally thought, you know what? It's been a while since I actually talked to a Ripper doc. Oh, look, I can get a whole extra 100 armor off of this guy, as well as a major health boost, as well as these additions to. And it's it's funny because it feels like the game doesn't necessarily drive you to going to shops most of the clothing weapons that you pick up are completely fine. There's no reason to buy weaponry or, or anything like that. You can even craft ammunition though. It really isn't. It's expensive to craft ammunition. So it might be better to just buy it. Cause I don't know about you, man, but machine guns, I was, 
Rifle ammo did not drop nearly as often as pistol ammo or shotgun ammo. And it's like the rifle was far more superior under most circumstances for me. So I ended up having to craft most of my rifle ammo. So that, I think, is a great segue into talking about the whole loot system along with crafting. Because part of my build was investing heavily in technical abilities, specifically the crafting. Because once you are able to craft legendary weapons, my dude, you really don't need to worry about looting a legendary weapon ever again. Like, especially when I invested in uh, reflexes, because I actually went, like, the rifle route. Like, I just did rifles and sniper rifles. I just crafted my rifle and sniper rifle, and I just kept improving it via the the various components I got from scraps and stuff yeah. like that. I never had to worry about, you know, finding an item off an enemy or finding a weapon off an enemy. And that's the thing, too, about the whole looting system, because it kind of, like, you know, is synonymous with that of Borderlands 2 or Destiny or, you know, whatever game you refer it to. It just becomes too much, man. And I think Never Knows Best made a good point, too, that... It just becomes cumbersome, like, it, and it really takes you out of the immersion too. Well, because, because the biggest issue. Good, oh, hang on, a good example of that is take Jackie's funeral for example. Oh boy. You know, the mood there is palpable. Like Jackie just died. Everybody's sad. The family members are there. Your friends are there. You know, it's just a very somber mood. And what was I doing the whole time? I was fucking looting. Like I went to Jackie's room. I just was, you know, picking up trinkets. So it's kind of like the equivalent of like, you know, oh, we're so sad. Oh, Jackie died. And just kind of like, yeah, he was one of the good ones. And I'm just like stuffing, stuffing stuff in my knapsack and just like, you know, you're just like picking stuff off the bar. You're just, I'm just having a field day. I'm you just, just grabbed and disassembled his uh, deck of cards so you could use them to upgrade items. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, like, oh, yeah. I don't know what we do without him. I'm just like looting his room clean. And I think walk out. I think that was the thing that frustrated me the most is there's like. It would have been better if you could, like, walk over bodies and, oh, I don't need this gun. Let me hold this button to disassemble it and take its materials. Let me disassemble this and take it, like, because I didn't want to, like, pick everything up and then have to disassemble it from the menu so that I could then add to my crafting materials. And I so would have done... There's actually, just to interrupt you briefly, there is a skill you could get if you invest in heavily it. enough that allows you to auto-disassemble as you pick up junk. Well, junk, like but what Not about weapons weaponry? Or like, that's... or like armor and stuff And that's like what that. I mean. Yeah, that you still have to manual disassemble. Yeah, because I got the skill that junk, like the cards and everything, that automatically disassembled, no problem. It, okay. But I want like the weapons that are no good for me, the armor that's no good for me. Let me disassemble that without having to pick it up and then go into the menu to do so. Like, yeah. Simple stuff like that would have been a really nice uh, addition. But it's... It's one of those things where, and that's the thing, it's like, if I were to talk about the combat, it's like, it doesn't really, my build doesn't feel like it really matters, or it feels like it's one of those things where, okay, I could put effort into a certain build, but if you, like, running and gunning is so much more effective early on, that it feels like I'll be encouraged to upgrade those, like, those kinds of things. And yeah, I upgraded technical enough for crafting and for some hacking, and the hacking I mostly used was just short circuit because that's what I had available. And again, because yeah. of the nature of the loot system, I never really went to shops. You don't really loot uh, body mods. 
you have to go to a ripper dock to get a lot of get modifications and i'm yep. pretty sure this game expects you to go find modifications because as i said i went like i was starting to have a rough time until i went to a ripper dock and got an extra i went from 50 to 150 armor with one upgrade um but even that it'll require things like your technical skill to be at a certain level to use certain things so yeah there was criteria you had to meet so I remember that it, it is one of those weird things where it's trying to figure out i don't know like i guess there's just no good the, again it's like one of those things where it's like you put a lot of time into this and the end result was something that was fine and then i honestly thought oh sorry i was just gonna say i thought cdpr really dropped the ball with the ripper docs i felt like they could have included a lot more skills you could have gotten that were actually meaningful as well now that said i did like the fact that i could have jump jets and just basically hop around everywhere i did eventually get the double jump to a point yeah you know what i'm talking about it just got to the point where i didn't even want to be in a vehicle anymore i was just like hopping on top of roofs and shit stealthing around along the highways yeah stealthing around was so much easier when you had double jump yep it sure was which is again but, part of the issue because some of their again like they'll offer you options for getting into a place but it feels like they're very limited in how they want you to make the approach it's like okay yeah. we're going to give the players three very specific approaches and if they don't have the exact skills required or they don't do things this exact way then they're going to screw up and yep. it's it resulted especially in the first half a lot of attempts at stealth just ending and shooting everybody in the entire facility. Not my favorite thing, but it, well, it, it is what it is. And that's the other upgrade I got from the Ripper Dock. It was like this arm cannon that, oh, instead of weapons, this this uh, thing mechanism comes out of your arm and you shoot a rocket at the enemy. It sure is to explode them. Well, I did that. I got it. It like brought them down to like not even half their health. And then yeah. I had like a 30-second cooldown. It's like, oh, great. So I just basically tickled the enemy. Meanwhile, I could have just shredded him with my legendary rifle that does 700 DPS in, like, two seconds. Or use yeah, thanks. Or use, your, you. or use your frag grenade, whose damage seemed to scale with your level. I, I found that interesting. No matter grenade, what, yeah. what level I was at, the grenade seemed to do a lot of damage. So, yeah, may as well just use that instead. Um, and not only that, there were skills that upped the grenade damage even further. And that's the thing, like, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm being, I sound negative. I did, enjoy, again, it's like, I, it's not that I didn't like playing the game. The combat was fine. I was engaged. But it's like, if I wanted to play a shooter, there were other shooters I could play. And if I wanted to play an RPG, well, I'd probably play an older RPG than this. That's for certain. Like, that's part of it is it didn't feel, and actually that's another thing too, right? Like, whereas I'm, you know. I'm looking at Elden Ring and this is the Elden Ring comparison I'll make. Dude, I found out like Dex, man, I played wrong my whole first playthrough. Playing my second time, strength is valuable. But I'm still like it sure is. But you you like you look online and you see what people do with magic builds and it's like holy cow. Like that's a game where your stats make a huge difference in how you play and here it doesn't really feel like like I don't know. Like again, like maybe if I extremely specialized in just technical over other things, then I would have really had a lot more options. But instead, I was more evenly spread 
between body intelligence and technical. And as a result, it was like, yeah, it's a shooter with some additional abilities. That ain't yeah. great. Um, and that's one thing never knows best. I think referenced well is that basically hacking is the equivalent of magic in this game, which it is. Yeah. In a lot of ways. It. Yeah. And this is references back to our Elden Ring podcast, which I forget if this was mentioned, but I think I kind of got lucky with my Elden Ring build because the magic build I had was pre-nerf, and I had this one spell called Comet Azure. I don't know if you've oh, heard of it or not. Oh yeah! It's that large beam of enemy you can, sh- large beam of energy you can shoot, and if you couple that with the flasks, you can just shoot that for like ten seconds straight, thus basically like practically one-shotting certain bosses. Now, since then, um, From has nerfed that, and they're like, okay, nah, you only get to do it for like three seconds now. But the reason I bring that up is because, I don't know, I kind of feel like hacking can get to the level where, as I said, you can just wipe out mods with it, mobs of enemies within seconds. And it makes me wonder if CDPR is going to address that and be like, okay, this is too OP. We're going to nerf that. Like, I don't know if they're going to, like, reduce the damage you can deal or not make it spread to as many enemies as it can spread to. I'm just wondering if they're ever going to address that or not. Then maybe I did play wrong. Maybe I really did play wrong if that's how it, uh, that's how it actually ends up being. Um, but uh, to move on a little bit, because I'm trying to think, there's, like, uh, there's other aspects of gla- gameplay I wanted to mention. Do we before we go into like real story stuff? Do we actually want to talk about companion like the the because part of the side quests are for characters that can all be important later in the game, like the actual characters, characters, Pan Am, Judy, River, um, like those are the main mm. three I think because depending on your orientation, each of those is a potential partner, and then um, Terry Urodine is or carry urodyne is also but he like he comes in later in the game but he's a potential partner and i'm wondering because part of it's the ending that i ended up having but i realized i don't really like for for witcher 3 one of the big things was characters and writing i don't really care for the characters in cyberpunk but I'm also, when it comes to writing in games, when it comes to characters, I'm either very old-fashioned and a curmudgeon, or my standards are too high, or there's some other disconnect with other people, because I didn't really care for any of the characters in this game. That's Except Victor. Victor Victor's like the one straight-up bro. Like, Victor's awesome, and he's barely in it. And he's only yeah. there to be like the worried dad that's like, why is it every time you come on my bench, you're bleeding? Um, but like, I mean, playing the 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 heterosexual male character, because I'm a heterosexual male. Um, well, okay, that's not true. I do play females in other games, but um, I played the heterosexual male V. And so I had Pan Am as my romance option. And that was it. Like that—that's part of the problem. Is your romance option is determined specifically by your orientation in this game. And I think you and I might have gotten the same ending because I got that. I had that one too. Well, that that part wasn't so much an ending because you can you you do the romance and the hibbity dibbity with her and the tank thing. Um, but oh, gotcha. The thing is, I'm not super fond of her. 
and part of it is because of the ending stuff that we can discuss later, but she's got damage. And maybe this is part of the whole fact that everything is night city. What does night city do? It chews people up and spits them out. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to figure out, am I supposed to like these people? Or am I supposed to think these are all damaged goods? Because Judy is the most, one of the most likable ones until you read a certain laptop and find out she had a lot of craziness going into a relationship with somebody. Yeah. So is this intentional or am I just the one person? Is this like a situation where I think Chloe in Life is Strange is like the most toxic person that could ever be in that game? Like the most toxic person in that game. Max needs to get away from her. Just this, this girl is like nothing but bad news. And then you see how people are practically idolizing her on the internet. And it's like, what is wrong with you people? Or Morgan in Dragon Age Origins where... I'm sitting there like she's an awful human being. Why is everyone in love with her? Is this one of those situations where I'm the one that's off base? Like, like I'm off the pulse of the community and everyone and just like, I just don't get everyone else's taste or are these actually all people that you can empathize with, but otherwise are not actually very good people. No, I can answer that question for you. I think, um, given the nature of how thirsty the internet is. I think they idolized <laughs> Panam more so for her physical attractiveness, more so than who she is as a person. Because you just basically said it. You hit the nail on the head. Like, she's a very pessimistic person. You know, she's not very nice to be around. And how I ended up with her, I don't exactly remember how. I think it just kind of was kind of like CDPR just kind of kind put of that on my lap. Happens. It just kind of happened. Yeah, like I didn't really have a choice in the matter. Like I and didn't I realize like, oh, what we're with her now. I didn't realize like, oh, okay. what question. Yeah, I didn't realize what question I was being asked when all of a sudden I because again I do live with my family because I'm a pathetic man child. Um, but I like yeah, no, there's self deprecation. <laughs> I'm like, I have to grab my remote, turn the volume down and be ready to turn the TV off, depending on who's going to be walking by my room. Like, it's like, I said, I didn't realize this was going to be what's happening. Why is this happening? <laughs> like, right. I didn't realize I was giving those vibes off, but yeah, it's like, okay. And that I guess can open up a whole other thing. Cause it is funny. I did watch a um, long time ago, my buddy Gary and, recommended me watch tim rogers uh the action button uh tokimeki memorial review which is him basically doing a five-hour video with breaks in there so you don't watch it all at once oh, but like yeah, a five so. five and a half hour video discussing why this 1994 or a little bit later for 1994 1996 i think 1994 dating sim was so huge huge and influential in the Japanese gaming industry. And we were robbed for never having gotten it translated over here. And it's still not being translated, but the way he's talking about how complex they made the game systems for a dating sim, like you don't like they put effort into this and making the act of juggling the social situation. So even if you just wanted one girl you still had to juggle other girls and that sounds wrong but it's like it's like you don't have to be a player but it's like 
the game did so much and it put so much effort into these characters that it just reminds me how broken like people want romance option even in western games right for a culture that would have mocked dating sims all of a sudden we want even our games to all be dating sims maybe dragon age origins popularized that maybe mass effect did when people realized they wanted to bang aliens i don't know but <laughs> you now have this element of romance options in games and they feel so shallow because as I said, like you and I both, we didn't even realize we were instigating a romance option and it happened. All you got to do is the side quest. And unless you, you like, Hey, I didn't real again, I didn't realize what she was asking. I was like, Oh, we're going to like hold hands or like, she's going to touch my arm or something. Oh, Oh, Lude. oh, that's where they're going with this. And it's like, yeah. I just walked into that one. <laughs> I'm getting all hot and bothered over here. But the, 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 like, it's, it's, it's I, I don't know. Like, by the way, not... I just like to put out there CDPR, because I've been on the fence about streaming, but I prominently stream visual novel games. If you put out, a dating visual novel in the cyberpunk universe. <laughs> I will stream it and play it. Just putting that out there. Your move. Anyway, continue. I told you, man. Needy streamer, needy streamer overdose. Dose, overload, I overdose. I know. Um, but no, the, 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 I'm actually tempted to stream that game, but the, yeah, no pressure on I'm, waiting for me to stream it, dude. If you want to stream it, go right yeah. ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just, I, I'm trying to think about, because it's not that the characters are necessarily bad. Because again, like Chloe was toxic, and Morgan reminds me of like some of the most obnoxious. And I don't, I don't mean this. I don't mean to target anyone specific, or like I don't mean to target everyone with similar beliefs. But like Morgan struck me as the most obnoxious atheists I knew in college that were absolutely pretentious and thought they knew way more than they actually did. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's one of the reasons why she was so popular. Oh, uh, but no, like it's, um, it's, um, one of those things that just like, I don't like these characters are better than that, but it made me miss the characters of the Witcher three and how even some of the jerk characters there, I empathize with a lot more. And maybe yeah. this is part of, but maybe this is part of where if we discuss the story, then we're going to end up discussing the themes of it. And let me just double check. Um, let me hit the button on my phone. We are at nine thirty, and I still have no response from Steve. So Steve's a no show. I'm going to have to lecture him later about this. Like you were supposed to be there, but granted, yeah, it's all good, dude. Well, I also I also know him well enough. I really should have messaged him yesterday and or today. This is my bad. I dropped the ball. He's very, he, he, he can be forgetful. Um, uh, or, gotcha. or it's just not a very good night in the Steve household. So it's like a number of things that could be going on. Yeah. Um, who knows what he's dealing with, but story before we go too deep into spoilers, I think what this game's trying to do with its story is ultimately just tackling the idea of like, we all, we all die one day. And you could see yeah. this in a lot of the side quests, even that this is a big um, sort of aspect to the game's themes. The problem is 
not all side quests are really built off of this idea. And as a result, like you'll be doing side quest after side quest. And then it's like, Oh yeah, my character's dying. Well, and that's the thing. Like on one hand, like you, you don't need to have like a literal ticking clock. This doesn't need to be like dead rising where you only have X in game hours. And therefore once time's up, time's up, but it really doesn't matter in the story. So that's one thing uh, Never Knows Best brought up too. Like I think in the game they gave you like a couple of weeks or a few weeks or something like that. And he said, "What well, does that matter? Doesn't just the point that you're going to die soon or something just be relevant yep. enough? Do they really have to give you a certain time period? And writing on games had also done a video like that. Like he, he discussed a lot of the writing in the aspects of the game and he was much more warm than I am on it. Um, because it's, I could tell where they're trying to do that. The problem is a lot of it is unfortunately very incoherent. And that leads into even some of the character writing. And even though it's actually, you know what? Yeah. Before we jump into spoiler tagged warning, okay, I'm going to go right ahead and say the marketing really should have not revealed first because you already brought it up right jackie's funeral that was in the marketing <laughs> i did say that that well that's was in the marketing though they gave that away they told you the prologue mission like you're going to end and this is what's going to happen because they were going to explain why kiana reeves is johnny silverhand mm-hmm. those two things really need like they needed to pull a metal gear solid too they needed to only show stuff from the beginning of the game or stuff that had nothing to do with any of the actual main story. They needed to conceal so much because the death of Jackie doesn't mean anything. And the appearance of Keanu Reeves as Johnny Silverhand also doesn't mean anything. Now, the funny thing about Keanu Reeves is if you played the Cyberpunk 2020 game, then you'll probably recognize him quickly through his arm or at least have a hint that he's Johnny Silverhand. And that makes yeah. a difference. Like when that announcement went out, I saw people that played the old uh, tabletop game were like, holy crap. They, 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 they were hyped. Um, but nor- like, like all the people that never played that tabletop game, you're going to see Keanu Reeves and you're going to be like, holy crap, it's Keanu Reeves. Who is this guy? Instead, they threw that right in the marketing, and it's it like dropped the impact of both of those things. So yeah, I did the side quest for Jackie's funeral, like you did. Only I didn't feel anything for it. I didn't care, like it, because I I knew this was happening. Like I had months over. I had more than that. I had since before the game released at the end of twenty twenty. So I had multiple years of knowing this character's dead at the end of the prologue mission. They really didn't establish Jackie that well for us to really care about him. His only notable feature, I think, was, and I don't think it was Never Knows Best, it was a video I watched before that made a good point about, is in Night City, a dystopian society where like everyone is generally just sad or depressed, Esther has no, you know, everybody's apathic. I think he was trying to be the guy who was like, hey, maybe we can make our way in the world here. Maybe there will be some happiness. 
Uh, there's, but, a, there's a specific dialogue exchange between him and V where he's like, hey, yeah, you never know. You might you might be someone who makes it here. And V even responds with, like, I think you have multiple dialogue options, but they're both on the same tone of, and I wouldn't get too excited about that. It's like Jackie is the standalone character at the time that's just kind of like, oh, hey, I'm going to have some optimism in this pessimistic world. I'm I think that's the best, best route to go across. That was, I think, was his only notable feature in the game. And then before you really had time to establish a bond with him, boom, he's dead. Well, firstly... Like, oh, well, okay, bye, rest in peace. I'm going to be a jerk and say apathetic is the word you were looking for. Apathetic, apathetic. thank you very much. No, um, you're not being a jerk. No, the the I do agree, though, because... Well, to an extent, there is one thing that's interesting about Jackie, and that's when you're interacting with Misty and you find out all the stuff that Jackie never told you, that he was able to be open and vulnerable with Misty in ways he never was even with you when you're playing his best friend, which that doesn't work as well when you're Corpo. Like, and I guess we can lead into the, some of the origins a bit because they're not also very spoilerific. I played Corpo because I don't, I don't know why. I think because most people didn't. Most people said it was like the most lame and everything. And maybe the actual opening mission was really lame because it wasn't even a mission. You're just walking around an office and next thing you know, you're watching a cutscene about how you suddenly become a street kid. And I felt really ripped off by that because... Yeah, didn't you say you got like fired or something and you were just basically demoted to street kid anyway? Well, your character's about to be killed too, but then stuff happens. But you don't actually fight or do anything. Um... The way I put it in the Discord, though, was I felt like I'm playing like playing the tabletop game, and I told the DM I wanted to be a corpo, and the DM says, no, we're not doing that. You're going to be a street kid. And I was like, I mean, okay. It's like, I don't really want to be that. I want to, like, like, this is a tabletop game. I could play whatever character I want, and I want to play a corpo because that's more interesting to me. And then they just, like, the DM's like, okay, fine, you're a corpo. And then they railroad me into being a street kid against my will. That's what the beginning of this game felt like. But a lot of the dialogue options, this is where I'll give them credit. A lot of the dialogue options fit what kind of dialogue options I would want in that situation. The problem is, again, like if we reference Never Knows Best, I'm now curious if everyone has a similar kind of dialogue option. So does the street kid have some street smarts question to be like, how like if we're going to do this and what about this in your plan? This is how your plan could be screwed up. Or if the the nomad origin has something like that, because a lot of times that that Corpo option for me was the smart option it was the wait a minute what about this situation what about this option that's not being given and it on my first playthrough of the game that allowed me to really enjoy the choice of corpo but does it even matter so i didn't get to play different origins yet what did you choose when you played so, I picked Street Kid, which I think is what most players picked, if I recall. It honestly makes the most sense. And here's what I thought, here's what I make, you're making me wonder too, because based on the analysts I've 
analysis I've received about it. I can't fucking speak. The, the rum's hitting me, dude. Analysis. But I think it was mainly just a, a reverse fork in a way where it's like no matter what path you chose, it was all going to lead to the same point anyway. But at the same time, it makes me wonder how it would influence your relationship with um, Johnny off the bat because Johnny... You know, he was part of a band, Rage Against the Machine. It wasn't really Rage Against the Machine. It was Samurai. But I mean, let's be honest. Anti-establishment, it's Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> so he was very anti-corporation. And Street Kid is very anti-corporation. So I don't exactly recall what our relationship was from the get-go with Johnny. But it makes me wonder, would he have, you know, would it have a more negative impact had you gone with Corpo instead? Or that's like Pan Am, back Possibly. to her. She was a nomad at heart, and she had disdain for anyone who was ec- who was not a nomad. So that kind of makes me wonder, too, had you had picked the nomad path, would you have been in better graces with her off the bat than you could be if you were a street kid or a corpo? Something tells me at most you get an additional dialogue option where she, the voice actress was warmer, but then it automatically goes to whatever the regular scripted linear option is which could be a completely unrelated vocal path which is again like if they focused on making the game smaller like partially like i wish they didn't have the badlands in this game at all because it's like night city's already huge enough why do you need the badlands i actually hated every time i had to go to the badlands it meant i had to like there were fewer fast travel points which means i couldn't be right where i needed to be I always had to take time to get to where I needed to go. And before I had fast travel points, it meant a lot of driving. And the Badlands are the most like just bland area to drive through. So, again... That's the thing. Cyberpunk really never had a global name to give it. Like, Elden Rings had The Lands Between, or Hollow, Hollow Knight had um, Hollow Nest. But Cyberpunk was pretty much like Night City and Badlands. It didn't really have a name you could call the whole realm, which I thought was kind of odd. I mean, because it's, it's Earth. You're in California. Yeah, I guess you could call it California. And you're you like independent. You're not part of the new USA, whatever that means. Because like, again, some of this, like I don't know how much of this was building in Cyberpunk 2020 versus how much they changed. Because a lot of the corporate wars stuff, for example, happened between when the original setting was and now. Um, and why the heavy focus on Arasaka Corporation? Is that based off the original work or is that just them playing around now? I don't know. Um so it's part of it is like i i know a bunch of different older uh settings and passing like Shadowrun, rifts i knew about these kinds of settings rifts could really use a good video game man it's only got like one stinking end gauge game that's like a final fantasy tactics ripoff and it's like really you're finally allow someone to make a game off your property hit mr kevin Ciambieta, and it's an end gauge game I never um, played it, but I heard good things about it. It's, it's supposed to be a decent game, but it's on the end gauge. Um, but that's that. That's the thing. It's y- 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 I never actually knew much about Cyberpunk 2020. Um, Neither do I. But that said, um, I think now we are in a good point to discuss the story in more detail. 
So if you do not want to be spoiled on Cyberpunk 2077, leave now or... You have been warned. Just, yeah, you have been warned. The tag's going up. The tag is up. You see that? Spoilers. It says spoilers, which means we are now about to start discussing spoilers. And if you're doing the audio-only version of this podcast, well, guess what? Spoilers. So. All right. Here we go. Snape kills Dumbledore. The end. <laughs> nah. Um, so I'm trying to think of which part to discuss first because, again, it's like I don't even know how much is a spoiler. It's like. Because the like I I didn't realize I was halfway through the quest the the game story when I was like I got to the point where um you captured uh what's your face and then that was screwed up and I'm like okay what am I like a third through the game and my buddy was like no nah, man as soon as you meet uh meet with uh, Hanako you're you're on you're like you're on the end route like you can't escape it you're going to beat the game and it's like oh oh well that's short. And yeah. I guess like mo like the bulk of the rest of the game is whether you want to befriend Johnny Silverhand or not. And so here's a question: Did you like Johnny Silverhand? That actually is a good segue into what I wanted to talk about. So Keanu Reeves, a lot of people think generally as an actor, he's a very he gives off a jaded and uninteresting performance, and you'd be right. However. I think in this game, that kind of works well with Johnny because this is a guy who's seen some shit. He had his arm blown off, his girlfriend got captured by the Arasaka crew, and because he was so anti-establishment and, you know, loyal to his principles, he died. This was back, like, what, 2077? This was, like, 40 years ago. Fast forward to 2077. All of a sudden, you're introduced to Johnny Silver, Silverhand, who we find out has been his consciousness has been stored in this biochip by this software that his girlfriend Alt made. And so now you're introduced to Johnny Silverhand, who honestly I think is a good character in the sense that even though I said Keanu Reeves does give off kind of like a jaded performance in most of his roles in movies, I really think he does a good job here because you can tell that Johnny Silverhand has a lot of, you know, anger and remorse in his voice. Cause to be honest, he was kind of a dick bag. None of his band members liked him. He was not overall a good person, but at the same, at the same time, he, you know, he loved Alt. he cared for her. And, you know, when he blew up Arasaka towers leading to his death, he then, like, there's a specific dialogue option, he says, because, you know, it, it all got rebuilt decades later. He was like, well, did it even really matter? Like, did any of my actions account for anything? So he definitely, I think, expresses emotion in his voice, which I think makes him one of the prominent characters in the game. Because, again, in a land where most of the characters have no empathy and instead have, like, a soul-crushing spirit in this dystopian society where corporations rule all, it's refreshing to have a couple characters to relate to that actually have emotions. And I think Johnny is one of them. So I think his role in the story along with V like attempting to separate her. Well, I, I, I made V a girl. I don't know about you, but attempting to separate her consciousness from Johnny 
wait, think it was a very interesting story. Wait, is Pan Am not? Can you romance Pan Am? You can. You As can romance girl? her. Or you cannot romance her. Yeah. I yeah, you absolutely can. I, I did that. I didn't realize she was bi. I thought yep. they had like a straight option and a gay option for either gender. Like I. Yep. I had no idea. CDPR set it out to be LGBTQ friendly. Interesting. I thought she was the straight option for the 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 male player. Nope. Interesting. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> that's my that's my take on the story as a whole. Uh, it's funny. I wanted to go back a little bit to what because you're right. I heard a lot of people saying a lot of negative things about Keanu Reeves' performance, and I'm wondering if. I mean, as someone that grew up with Bill and Ted and then, you know, other roles that Keanu Reeves has been in, like more than Bill and Ted, like Speed, there's a perfect example there. Ah, yes. A classic. He's never had a very, he's always had a slower pace of speech. He's not a guy that'll sit there and deliver his lines like real quickly. Like, right. I sit there and I got a mush mouth because I'm trying to get a million thoughts out of my mouth at once. Um... But then now he's older. And I remember when I first saw John Wick, my first thought was, man, Keanu Reeves is an older guy now. And it works in John Wick. Here, I think you're getting the fact that he's, he is playing the character, but he's also just older. So some of the lines that he delivers are great. And some of the lines he delivers don't feel so great. And either way, he's inescapably Keanu Reeves, which is, I think, one of those things where, again, if we're talking about Never Knows Best, right? Like, it's, it's that, it, it, it is fittingly cyberpunk, where we now have the ability to scan a person in. And technically, we have the ability to get enough samples of them speaking we can have a computer spit out dialogue from this, like like an artificial like speech program that sounds like that person. So yeah, to, to answer Neverdo's best own question, we live in cyberpunk. We're getting there. We won't need living actors soon. We'll be able to just get all the traditional actors from the past. Um, yeah. But that aside... Um, Keanu Reeves did, I think, a mostly good job, but not obviously not everything is that great. I think my issue with Johnny is I started to like him as I did his quest line. And then I started doing side quests where he was just the same old dick as before. And I really wish they went through the trouble of having some sort of meter to detect where in your relationship were you with Johnny and for quests to have, and I know it's a big ask because you'd have to have at least two or three different options for every side quest, which again, this is why you have fewer side quests, but more meaningful side quests have him change based on where you are in your relationship with him. Because as soon as I was starting to like him more because he was starting to change, the relationship was improving between him, him and V. He went back to sounding like a dick. And I didn't like that. Yeah. So I stopped liking him again. So by the end, I chose to just not let him in control at all. I just did my own thing because I was 
V. I was going to be V. I wasn't going to risk him taking over me. Like, even though I went through most of his quests, letting him take over. And that's, again, what I mean. Like, for so much of the... We were starting to get better, and then suddenly we weren't. Um, And that's part right. of, like, the writing. So it's like, this is where I wish the game... Can you have an open world game that's got a linear story? That's a question I have. So in terms of the character relations, from what I'm understanding, you're kind of hoping they did that thing like they did in um, Detroit Become Human, where you could at least, like, every so often, depending on your dialogue choices, it would show, like, either a green arrow going up, like, for example, Hank and Connor. Like, it would show a green arrow going up, like, hey, you, that's a good choice. Hank trusts you more. He likes you now. Or if you said a bad choice, ooh, red arrow down. That was a bad choice. His, he distrusts you now. Something like that. Sort of. Um... Well, I mean, again, this is part of my question. Like, if you make an open world game, do you need to utilize, like, do you need to create activities for a player in that open world? Like, this goes back a bit to where I was in the beginning. Because, or rather, if you're making... I would say no, just because back on what Never Knows Best said, if you recall, he said that CDPR was trying to do too many things at once and trying to include multiple aspects from different games in cyberpunk like they were trying to do the driving of uh, gta they were trying to do like the mini games of yakuza like they were just trying to incorporate way too many things from way too many games and i think if well, they tried the to in if... inherit character relations that would just be one more thing on their plate here's the thing though because even grand theft auto has those side activities right you can go bowling in grand theft auto you have mini games in grand theft auto so they are trying to you make can I mean, part of it is, like, you know, CD Projekt's stomach was too big. Um, they, they, they had too, too many ambitions. They wanted this to be the biggest open-world urban environment that ever was. And because of the praise yeah. of Witcher 3, I mean, it's no surprise they thought they could do it. Um, well, but I, and, working, uh, and working conditions weren't great, but that's a subject for another yeah. time. I mean, I just, I do wonder, though, if we were to look, if we were to look at... If we're to like really consider open world games, right? And this is again like, because, I like, what what do Elden Ring do, and uh, what okay, what does Elden Ring do, and what does Breath of the Wild do compared to other open world games? Well, no, the story is not imperative to the gameplay. It doesn't matter how long it takes for you to get to the end of the game because the story is a minor thing. It isn't a, it is there to move you forward, but there's no sense of dramatic tension for how long it takes you. It's cause it's just all part of the world. Yeah. And without you, like that's the thing. You're also the disrupting force. There is a status quo in this world that you are coming to wreck and disrupt little by little you are the force that changes it. And the more of the world you reveal, then there it is. Breath of the Wild, the story of the game, you hear, what is the plot of the game? The plot of the game is Link wakes up, Hyrule's been in, you know, uh, this awful situation for like a hundred years, and you gotta go, and you gotta get to the Divine Beast and then wake up and then go fight Ganon. You can take as long... Uh, sorry if you hear my phone buzzing. Steve's finally aware that uh, we were supposed to podcast tonight. There's the dude. Um, 
there was in Breath of the Wild, you you have all that stuff, but you don't have to do it. It's funny because it's taken you a hundred years. Clearly, you have a few months left that you can take to dilly dally. But the real story of Breath of the Wild is in flashbacks. Um, in both of these games, there is story there, but it's not... Actually, it's flashbacks combined with what's going on. The one thing I've always said about Breath of the Wild, and I really love it about the game, is Breath of the Wild has a theme of heroes are not chosen, they choose, if that makes sense. Or they're made, you could say, by hard times, because all of the heroes that were chosen fail. But in those hard times, there's a bunch of heroes that rise up and choose on their own. I think that's great. I think Breath of the Wild, did, like that's what makes Breath of the Wild possibly the greatest Zelda story throughout the entire franchise. They're kind of like the old adage, like our experiences shape us and therefore influence our choices. Something like that. Something like that. Um, Breath of the Wild does that well because, and, and then otherwise the story's just kind of in the back seat. It doesn't matter what order you take or how long you take. Right. Western games make these open world titles and Western game developers make these open world games and then they completely take, like, they, they, they try and make the story like Hollywood movie stories. And it's like the story you're trying to write belongs in a linear game. If Cyberpunk 2077 had a linear story, at the very least, I should say, where you first do all of this quest stuff and then you do all of Johnny Silverhand's quests and when you complete them, you're doing the final stretch with you and him at a better position, the game story would work so much better. But mm -hmm. because it's open world and also trying to be very tabletop role-playing gamey, you're now in a situation where the player can get distracted any which way. The story tries to give you this ticking clock, but it doesn't really impact anything. And then when you start to follow the quests where you and Johnny Silverhand start to improve your friendship, all of a sudden you, you regress because you're doing a side quest that could be done at any time. So you can't account for the player actually having done those Johnny quests yet. And that's just showing how you're not a tabletop role-playing game because in a tabletop role-playing game, the DM is able to modify and update their plans based on player interaction and player choice. Video games, you're very limited. And because we already know this game was trying to do so much, then asking, and, and it was a, you know, horrific crunch, horrific other conditions. And then you're going to what? Ask them to have Keanu Reeves record two or three additional lines of dialogue with two or three additional potential motion capture sessions. How much more are you going to ask for? There is a limit. The problem is, did they cut in the correct places or should they have cut elsewhere? And again, to go back, because I probably, I'm probably going to look at back at this video and be like, man, I talked so much. Um, but to go back, oh, good dude to go back, um, again, does an open world need all these activities or can you have an open world with a linear game? So my answer to that is, I think in some degree, cyberpunk is kind of a medium between 
games like Ubisoft and games like Elden Ring. And the reason I say that is because in terms of what's on the map, despite it being cluttered with like all these side quests and all these markers and shit like that, you actually have the option to turn them off, which I think is very nice, actually, because that just makes it feel like more refreshing and more open. It's like, wow, my map isn't as claustrophobic as it used to be. I can only have maybe these on or hell, maybe I don't want any of them on. Maybe I just kind of want it to be like Elden Ring to some degree. Now, of course, that's impossible because unfortunately you can't turn off the cluttered HUD that you have in Cyberpunk, whereas Elden Ring's HUD is relatively open. But I think in that degree, Cyberpunk is definitely above anything from fucking Ubisoft. Whereas you can't turn off the question marks, you can't turn off the quest markers, you can't turn off any of that crap. So if we're talking about, like, at least as close as we can get to a happy medium, it would be Cyberpunk in terms of map design. Now in terms of story, I would say Elden Ring definitely gets the story right, as in it takes a backseat to gameplay. Like, the story is an imperative. There is a story there, but it's kind of, like, similar to, like, a story told through gameplay in which, you know, you could probably gather a certain aspect of it through talking to NPCs, but if you actually wanted to know the full picture, more likely than not, you'd be having to look it up after the game or looking up online somewhere to get people who are actually more invested in it than you are to see, like, oh, this is what is meant by what the NPC said this, or this is how this character related to that. So I think that's kind of my take on that. Like, I like how Cyberpunk gives you the option to turn off markers, so there's not as cluttered a map as you can have, but I kind of would like to see more of the story not being thrown in your face. Interesting. So you'd rather less story than more. Hmm. As a gameplay, as a gameplay oriented gamer, yes, I would like more story. Or excuse me, <laughs> I would like more less gameplay, story. less story. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of one thing I liked about. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I liked Bio. I think this is why Bioshock, the very first one, is one of my favorite games of all time, because the gameplay is really good, and the story is really good as well. If a game has a good story, that's kind of icing on the cake to me. But I really am prominent on gameplay. And Bioshock, hmm. I was not expecting to have a good story as it did. And it also wasn't a story that was thrown in your face. Like, you didn't have, like, occasional cutscenes that were thrown at you, like, every half hour or something like that. It was just basically dialogue real-time. Like, you could move and listen to dialogue at the same time. Nothing was hindering you from moving or progressing in the game. Interesting. Maybe one of these days we should have a Bioshock uh, podcast. Granted, it's been oh, a I'd, long I'd be all about that. time since I played through one of them to the completion. I started playing the original and uh, I started having, I started realizing I didn't love the game as much as I used to. Um, but Bioshock 1 is basically if you get enough skills, you can just beat the game with a wrench, dude. Just whack, whack, whack. That's but, it. Yeah. But the, um, to come back around to, again, more cyberpunk, because, um, and also, yeah, I did look at the, the, the message from Steve. He had a rough night. So hopefully we will be able to come back for a part two next week if you'd be interested. Because um, otherwise, I don't, I don't know what next week's topic would be anyway. Um, so, yeah, we might have the cyberpunk uh, part two. Um, but, also, poor guy. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, he had a rough night. It's understandable. Um but 
for I'm trying to think of uh, this because that's the thing. Like, if gameplay oriented, I think you could probably do a lot with Night City if you just focus on gameplay. But CD Projekt Red, especially because of Witcher Three, right? Like, their strength has been in their writing, and they also like that's again like part of where listening to Never Knows Best's own video on Cyberpunk, part of it sounds like it's from frustration. The big AAA uh, role-playing game is dead. Like, the one where you have choice and everything. Like, the last one was Dragon Age Origins, where you actually had silent protagonists, where you had a lot of dialogue options, and you had six origins that mattered a lot. Cyberpunk... that's the CD Projekt Red wants to make those big AAA RPGs of, like, the old days... Because you watch their no-clip documentary on Witcher 3, and you'll see in the very first episode their origin as this small company once communism in their country goes down, and they're able to do all their own stuff, and what how it influenced, how growing up in communism influenced the founder of the company, and would later influence like how they got western games and how they discovered Baldur's Gate, how they discovered all of this stuff, and they started by localizing western role-playing games um like the funny thing about europe is role-playing games are one of the largest french or one of the largest genres in europe granted europe is also known for Eurojank for a reason they've got a lot of smaller studios that try ambitious titles that are too ambitious and so you end up having games that have great ideas but the execution is poor um I'll show their chocolate's better. Their anyway, chocolate go is on. better. Go, going back to the Discord now. Um, <laughs> but I had to say it. I mean, their chocolate is better, let's be honest. The the thing is, though, like you, you look at some of their conditions and it's understandable why CD Projekt is like, we've got all this money. We've got all this prestige. Let's make as big of an old-fashioned role-playing game as we can. But instead of making an old-fashioned role-playing game, that's the like again like Cyberpunk. I think that's my biggest issue with Cyberpunk. By the time I beat it, is I beat it and I'm sitting there and I'm like, this game isn't. It's too influenced by modern trends. CD Projekt Red could probably make a really good AAA linear video game, not an open world. Not an open RPG, just a linear video game. They could probably make one that tells one of the best stories in a video game today. They've got the writing chops. These guys are well-read enough to know characters, to know storytelling, to know... Act. like They've got the idea of themes down. Like They know what they want to do, and they could do it. But because they're so focused on making role-playing games... Now we have this big open world RPG and we're trying to make it a combination of tabletop while also trying to make it a combination of, because that's the thing, like where, again, I ask, do you, if you're making open world, can you not make it also a linear game? In other words, do you need those assaults in progress? Do you need those tarot cards all over the place graffitied? Do you need all these little things? Not just side, do you need all these side missions? Because I'll also add, the one thing that CD Projekt does that is better than so many of the, uh, their competitors, 
CD Projekt has side missions that towards the end especially, I found interesting. I go to a diner. I said, oh, granted, I did so by following a side mission icon on the map. But I go to a diner. I sit down to order. Guys come in trying to rob the place. My 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 body stat and my other stats are like high enough. I can deal with this situation without combat. And I liked that. That actually yep. was a good side quest for me. Now, granted, it was near the end of the game that I took it. I could have had this mission a lot earlier. And if I did, I probably would have had to fight these guys. And I would have liked it as much. The fact that I had the option to talk these guys down. But I also only had that option because I had certain stats unlocked. And that's where... Again, you got to wonder, like... I was in the optimal situation to experience this side quest in the optimal manner that I could just talk these guys down, get them out of there and resolve this side quest without conflict. Now, did that also have to be a side quest? Is it possible that they could have set that up to happen at nearly any diner I could have gone to Yakuza style where like Yakuza has got like the wild Jackson. They've got the, the, the beef bowl place. They've got other chains, uh, Smile Burger. Like, Korean barbecue. So they've got all these shops. Like Cyberpunk's got different shops. I could walk into any one of them and they could have programmed this side quest to take place in any one of them spontaneously without an icon, without an indication that there's a side quest there. And I would have had this great bit of role playing, but make it not tied to stats or maybe... It is, but not at such a high rec like requirement. Um, you know so what I would have liked to see now that you mention it, especially considering the caliber of tech technological advancement in this game. Did the game really need physical shops? Like, could there not have been like you know materializer like moduluses or something like that, or kiosks where you could just buy something digitally, and then whatever you bought, whether it be like a weapon, armor, what have you, just materialized in front of you. That's, so that's just something you could carry with you. Like, did you have to go to physical merchants all over the city? That's definitely a gameplay for, you know, I may as well take the spoiler warning down now that I think about it, because we're just talking about gameplay again. We really will be able to do this with Steve next week. There's no focal point in this podcast, dude. There really isn't. It's it's just, it, only cyberpunk is the focal, focal point. That's the best kind of podcast to have, though. Uh, oh no! This is my fa one of my favorite kind of discussions. Um, I love I love just branching off. But no, like I mean, you you kind of bring a good point, but you're also speaking from a gameplay first perspective because it's like you. I am. If I were to ask you about the fast travel system, right? Would you prefer the fast travel system have just been you open up your map and you fast travel to a point? Uh, that would have been the fallout fast travel system that i thought would have been a little hmm because that's the thing like, that, I that i don't know because i think i do like the fact that you can only fast travel to pre-designated spots however i think they needed to be more equidistant from each other like there were some fast I'm travel points mean, in cyberpunk that were just literally right fucking next to each other like 10 feet apart i'm more like, mean really? no i'm more mean like if you had to but, well, if you could, from your map, choose one of those points rather than 
So, so basically, you didn't have to go to a terminal to fast travel. Yes, I would have absolutely preferred that. Like, you didn't have to actually be at a terminal to fast travel to another terminal. Oh, hell yeah. And see, again, like, where I would have been fine with their intention to be more immersive if they were to have you go to a subway. Well, a subway station. The, the train underground. Not a subway sandwich shop. Um <laughs> So I've had quite a bit of whiskey too. And like, I thought it was the crown Royal XO before, but man, even the peanut butter whiskey screwballs, uh, hitting me surprisingly right now. Uh, peanut butter. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm well, four shots in. I, I sobered myself up. It's more of a, I'm peanut sobering whiskey. Up rather. it is more of a peanut whiskey. It doesn't really taste like peanut butter, but it definitely has the hint of peanut. Uh, if of, that's the one I remember you sharing at Magfest, I think I remember the taste of that. The screwball? Did I have the screwball at Magfest? I might have had the screwball. Yeah, because we had the. Um, I don't know if you remember. You had the Bioshock shot glasses. That I do. Remember. I definitely had the Bioshock. We need to do Magfest again. Um, yes, we do. That or Pax East. We need to figure it out before. Whichever one has tickets go on sale first. That's where we're going next year. Yeah, we have time for both though. December and January. Pax East is not December. That's Pax Unplugged. So oh, we are very much digressing of. here. Uh but no, um we sure are. No, the the I'm trying to think if there's anything else, or we should save the rest for when Steve's here. Cause I do think we might be able to do next week with Steve. Um Yeah, it's up to you. It's ten o'clock. This is gone for a little over an hour and a half. I'm yeah. down to just do a part two and hopefully Steve shows up to that. So for what we've discussed, I do hope people listening have enjoyed and i do hope people that listen to the audio only you enjoy listening to what we have to say about cyberpunk and again it's funny because in a lot of ways i'm i think maybe why i find this game interesting to discuss even if i didn't find it that interesting to play is that you're kind of talking about this is a game trying to achieve the triple a ideal and even after you've fixed a bunch of the bugs, what is that AAA ideal? Is it actually a good game at the end? Or is it a serviceable time waster? That's see, what I'm about to say is going to make me want to drink more, but I am sobering up. I think there was definitely a good game there. And that's what I think makes me depressed having played it when I did. Because it was a very good game when I played it in fall 2021, nine months after launch. It's just a shame because it clearly was an unfinished game. And it CDPR was, got, yeah. got pressured by investors and they lost a lot of, you know, customer rep and <laughs> their market cap fell down so low that Techland actually overtook <laughs> them as the highest gaming, as the highest market cap gaming company. Which Oof. Techland, don't get me wrong, they're nothing to sneeze at. They did the uh, Dying Light games, which are very good games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just a shame because CD Project, CDPR had such, you know, it had such momentum, dude. Just what, I've seen of, hype. just what I've seen of their gameplay, though, even the Dying Light games are filled with all that Euro jank. Like, it's, I, I don't know what it is. And I don't know if that's an offensive term at this point, Euro jank. I think it started with board games, not video games. But I know it's definitely a term that applies to both. It's like it, it's like that, you know, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Like you're trying to make something way too ambitious than you have the capability of executing. Um, and it's not true of all European studios, obviously, but it definitely does encapsulate a lot of them. Um, 
Yeah. I never heard of Eurojank, by the way, so it ain't offensive to me. That's all I'm saying. Well, <laughs> to American just like me. I sure is. I'm ignorant and I'm happy. But, um, yeah, Cyberpunk 2077, we probably will talk more about it next week, hopefully with Steve. Because Steve, Steve is going to probably argue with me a lot because he loved this game. He really enjoyed playing. And he, as he said on, I think, the podcast last week, there were it was either last week or an earlier episode, but he discussed where some nights he just log on and he just drive around Night City just to be in that city. I don't know why you'd want to be in Night City specifically, and that's something we didn't get to discuss. The, the fact that Night City chews you up and spits you out, and yet Jackie loved it. It feels mm-hmm. like part of what this game is doing is that Night City destroys people. And granted, it destroyed Jackie. But he loved it. I think that's something interesting that might be worth talking about. So maybe we'll save that for next time, too. But yeah, not th- only destroys people physically, it destroys them psychologically, too. Yes. So especially Judy. So... Mm-hmm. we'll have more to talk about next week. I will definitely share the link of this with Steve so he can listen to it. He can write down his notes and get ready to, uh, re to rebut, uh, as much as he wishes. Um, no, if he's yeah. as argumentative as you claim he is, what could happen is the format for next podcast could be like, you know, you each have time allotted for what you want to say. And then I'm just kind of like the mediator and you guys are like sort just arguing over each other and I'll just kind of like stop you. No, no, excuse me. No, it's Ramble's turn. I don't know, Steve. No, come on. Oh, like, I'll be that guy. Well, it's it's I'm a mixture. I'm okay with that. A, we, we have a Venn diagram of interest. There are some games where we are both in sync on. And then a lot of games, and it usually has to do with the AAA area. There's a lot of games that he'll be like, yo, man, I, I played this and I thought it was great. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That game is terrible or that game is absolutely lame it is just triple a drag and he'll be like i loved it uh but and this goes for everything yeah. too like um, that was him with strangers of paradise if i remember well i didn't play that other than the demo and that i might have enjoyed that more if i played more than the demo it's just i'd rather play Elden ring um who wouldn't but well, well evidently steve <laughs> uh, well, steve's just incorrect but then there's also, I think you make you do make an interesting, different sort of a perspective because, like, you've played a bunch of the Ubisoft open worlds and you've enjoyed them. But I think even you haven't played Far Cry Six, right? So <laughs> there was a time in my life where <laughs> I thought I was going to buy Far Cry Six. <laughs> sorry, I really did, dude. I listen, listen. You got I a free enjoyed... play weekend on a uh, Game Pass this weekend. I saw that. Listen, I started with Far Cry 3. I enjoyed the hell out of that game. I loved it. I'm not going to lie. Far Cry 4, I also enjoyed very much. Not as good as Far Cry 3, but it was still a good game. Far Cry 5, I think, kind of fell in between. It was better than 4, but not as good as 3. I did genuinely enjoy those games. However, (laughs) once Far Cry 6 came around... And I was hearing some of the stuff that Ubisoft was pulling. I was kind of on the fence about it. And then here comes Elden Ring. You know, dagger <laughs> between its teeth, swinging on a vine. in It's Robin Hood attire. And I was just kind of like, yeah, you know what? Ubisoft, go eat a bag of dicks. I'm Would not you... going to play Far Cry 6. Wait. I don't know if my opinion will ever sway. And maybe one day I will. But as of this moment, I don't expect to get Far Cry 6 anytime soon. But you did play Horizon Forbidden West, didn't you? 
I did, and I did enjoy that game. So you played, except- you still played a Ubisoft game, just a Ubisoft game from any other studio. Listen, you. <laughs> Actually, it had a good. I will. Here's what I'll say about uh, Forbidden West. Its cinematic presentation was phenomenal. I don't think it was as great gameplay wise. I thought it was in a kind of buggy state. Not cyberpunk buggy, mind you. Just on the PS5, which is what I played it for, it had its bugs, which I wasn't a fan of. Broken quest lines, etc. I've heard that stuff said, like that. It's still a good game. I mean, yeah, I only time. I only played a little bit of it, and that little bit was specifically to test and see what the dual the dual um not dual shock, whatever they call the new controller shock. Uh, the the super amazing um, trigger sensitivity and vibration and everything. I tried to uh, play a little bit of that on Steve's PS5 and wasn't impressed. But I mean, I hmm. I'm also I'm also the kind of person that'll sit there and be very contrarian to new things, and then later because even when I was a kid. The first time I played it, I, I used the Rumble Pack. I was like, this isn't revolutionary. And now it's like, well, firstly, it's like you, you're used to it, right? But actually, I guess, I don't know. like, Because I don't notice when a Rumble Pack is missing. So, uh, I don't know. But Yeah, it's the closest engagement you'll get to actually feeling like you're part of the game. As opposed to wearing a VR headset. And I don't care for any of that. I mean, if I, no, wanted, I don't have a thousand hours of expendable income, dude. I don't know about yourself. If I wanted to shoot a real gun, I'd have a real gun. How about that? Like, that's exactly that's my thoughts towards video games versus real life. All right. So thank you very much, Zach, for joining me. And I hope to hear everybody hope to thank have you, you back me. next week. Um, yeah, I plan on it. And thanks, everyone that tuned in. Maharu Chan, of course, you tuned in. I've seen several other people like uh Confius Couch slash uh Eno, I believe, Innovation. Um, and some other people. I think Asuna tuned in for a bit. So thank you everyone that tuned in, and thanks for everybody that tunes in via the iTunes or Google Podcasts uh subscription. So thanks everybody, and I hope everybody has a good night. Yeah, and even if you didn't listen to us live, thanks for listening to the recording, assuming you did. You guys are cool. Bye. It's the long. Don't have kids.